0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Stop, the official podcast of the Church of St. George, the Martin Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of continued but easing crisis, uh, although the crisis is arising in other areas now, especially economic ones. And I am joined, as always, by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. How do I find you today?
1: Lindsay, it's uh, the Friday energy. <laughs> uh, that we're doing all of this on it's normally my off day um i must say that uh just before i came here besides having a good breakfast and a lovely conversation with my wife around the kitchen table uh i had a lovely morning sleep you know that sleep that you just sleep mm-hmm. and you so it 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 was a refreshing moment, and so I'm I'm. Although I've had a very busy week, um I'm very grateful to be able to share this time with you. And um, we spoke about our health early on, and we are grateful to God for where we are on that journey as well. And the, our family are doing okay. Just this morning, we had news that my brother-in-law's dad died. Um, apparently, he was at a funeral and. Came back from the funeral and then he was COVID positive. Spent two days in os- two days in hospital when he died, and uh, his wife is was also tested positive, and so they are praying that um, she will recover. So yeah, that's just the one sad news this morning um, in the family. Yeah, and I mean I would I I haven't heard of COVID deaths for a very long time. This is now the first one for for me in a very long time that I've heard. And also that a funeral was possibly the place where he
0: got it from. Mm. Yeah, that is a bit concerning. Although um, I was reading some positive news yesterday that the, the clever people in the world have run the numbers and they believe that there will be fewer hospital. Um, admissions due to COVID in the fourth wave, which is still incoming, but has been delayed a little bit. I think it's mainly because of a vaccination drive. Um, So please, if you are not vaccinated yet, all South Africans over the age of 12 are are eligible to get the vaccine. So please go out and do your part, please.
1: Could I add my penny in the plate there for just one moment? i've been invited um to represent the western province council yes. western Cape yes. province yes. council of churches uh, the deputy president president mabuza david mabuza will be doing a city to city encouraging uh, vaccinations to happen and he's come to the city on tuesday the 23rd i will be at the, um athlon stadium that where he will be to make that drive so from the presidential booth they are saying let's encourage the people on the ground to continue you know ensuring that people are vaccinated yes
2: yeah.
0: yeah. no, no it's very important uh today is obviously we are recording the scheduled podcast for the Feast of Christ the King, which marks the end of the ordinary time. And of course, from next week, it's Advent, which is the beginning of a new liturgical year. Can we just get some clarity around how, how these feasts interact with the liturgical year? Father, the,
1: the, this feast is, um, I wouldn't say the end of but rather the culmination Mm. of the season of uh, the liturgical year and of the... Of, 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 so we have three liturgical years um, all focused on the, the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Matthew year A, Mark year B, Luke year C, interper, interspersed with the Gospel of St. John. Mm. So we journey at the time when there is great anticipation of a arrival advent and then we journey with jesus so it's really the walk of christ on the earth in obedience to the the father's um call that he becomes the savior of the world um as an expression of god's love for us and so we go through the important events of his of his life and as well as how those important events once they've happened what impact that do they have on ordinary life so you would find in some liturgies particularly the older ones they would call sorry lectionaries they would call it ordinary time this that we are reading we normally use it um this particular sunday after pentecost now in in the the formal dictionaries that used to be called ordinary time Mm. Um, so in in fact we still kept alive in our dictionary the whole essence of pentecost the impact of the coming of the spirit on and the birth of the first church or the birth of the church rather not of the first church the birth of the church as the acts of the apostles would tell us but where are we journeying to who are we journeying with This is a journey of faith and a journey of life. Where will things culminate eventually? So we're already, (coughs) as it were, pardon me, living and practicing by faith that which has been promised in the past and uh, that which was brought to us and the culmination of it, the whole point of it all. Is that we were walking behind with him before alongside one who is actually a king and whose first coronation is celebrated as the cross where he was crowned in the human sense um, a forced coronation as it were um, mm. But when, but but the 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 culmination of it when why we now reading the apoc- apocalyptic literature of Revelation um, that he sits at the right hand of the Father where he's crowned as king. And it's very interesting when when you listen when you read apocalyptic language, um, and I was really asking myself that question, you know, how is god addressed as father we know that there's a mystery in terms of the Godhead, but but how is um god addressed when you're talking about jesus as the king of kings and the lord of lords and in daniel's apocalyptic apocalyptic writing uh, daniel talks about god as the ancient of days Mm. so it's the it's the celebration We're journeying towards the coronation, we're journeying towards the presence of the one who became human (laughs) and lived among us whom we expected as the Messiah, but not in the way that we thought he would come. Um, And coming back to the conversation we had before the recording, you know, the words like almighty. Um, If you're using terminologies, then you're expecting something to to, to be revealed. So he didn't come with an army as a king. He didn't come to destroy. He comes to save. This is a savior king, a savior servant king. So it's the advent start of the expectation, the arrival. And where do we find this king? Not in a palace, but in a manger. do we find this king on the journey away from his homeland because his life was threatened. Um, we find him as, an, as a as a as a refugee. In Egypt. Uh, well, that's where his forefathers were. When. Um, around the period of the exodus he goes to the place where they were oppressed and he be, finds refuge in that same place um he's understood to be king because mm. people from the east celebrate.
3: where
1: are we going to be journeying towards his yeah. coronation
0: that's all good and well, and we will talk about that. <laughs> right. But the first question is to answer the theme that you have extracted, which is, "Jesus, are you the King?" And if you could please call us together with the collective prayer, and we will into that question after that. Okay.
1: Good day to you, my brothers and sisters. We have a special gathering greeting uh, to celebrate the theme of the Feast of Christ the King. The response in the first um, greeting is precisely the same as we will do, as we do, as we know. So, my brothers and sisters, the Lord is king robed in majesty, and he is with you. We are gathered in God's dwelling place. Let us therefore worship at God's footstool. And just to say that today we celebrate the kingship of Jesus, God's beloved son with whom God is well pleased. God calls us throughout to listen to him. We visited at the manger and could not imagine that we looked into the eyes of the one called to be the king. Of whom we sing, crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon the throne. Each liturgical year culminates into this sacred feast of Christ the King of the future, captured and realized in the present, witnessed to in the past. And so we're going to be singing, um, and you could perhaps download this or listen to it on Google. You are the King of Glory. You are the prince of peace. So to the collect of the day. Pray with
3: me. Most high God, majestic
1: and mighty, our beginning and our end, rule in our hearts and guide us to be faithful, worshipping the one who comes as savior and sovereign and who lives and reigns with you In the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now
3: and forever. Amen.
0: So the first reading comes from the second book of Samuel, chapter 23, verses 1 to 7. And these are David's last words Uh, The Spirit of the Lord speaks through me, his message is on my lips. The God of Israel has spoken. The protector of Israel said to me, The king who rules. with with justice, who rules in obedience to God, is like the sun shining on a cloudless dawn, the sun that makes the grass sparkle after the rain. And that is how God will bless my descendants, because he has made an eternal covenant with me, an agreement that will not be broken, a promise that will not be changed. That is all I desire. That will be my victory, and God will surely Bring it about. But godless people are like thorns that are thrown away. No one can touch them barehanded. You must use an iron tool or spear, they will be burned completely. Some strong words there. Yeah, <laughs> Some absolutely. sharp bobs. Um but yeah, here, here's this 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 question about kinship, about about royalty,
2: where we are led to believe in the modern interpretation of Christianity.
3: that
2: Jesus was
0: the last king ordained by God and the king of all kings. So then like the monarchies that we have now are pretty much false, idols, <laughs> if you will. But yeah. David infers about this lineage. So I've always had a problem with David because of his oh gosh, I'm gonna get such hate for this. <laughs> 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 because he he was a problematic figure. Like he was not as pure a king in his actions. In the way he's Children, because your children reflect kind of what you put in them. Um, and yeah, Absalom and Ammon, they, they went a bit wild there towards the end, especially in the second book of Samuel. Um, so how do you then marry the flaws of David to this lineage that culminates in Jesus? And what does that tell us about how we should see monarchies today and the role of those monarchies?
1: You know, you're asking me a question now that um, we had to think about and write about in one of my assignments Mm -hmm. um, about kingship and um, political leadership uh, of the time, and this was during the apartheid era, because kingship is about the leader of a country, Mm. And um, one of the, the things that the Israelites missed out was on was that ultimately the God who liberated them, the God of their father, Abram, Isaac and Jake, J- Jacob, He's actually their king. He's actually their leader. And uh, he covenanted with them. Um, uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, Exodus 19, 20. Um, Gives you the understanding how the agreement, because he saves them uh, and 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 they enter into the old rela- relationship that they had those years was when a king saves you, you become his servants and you are. There's a vessel like relationship between you and the king
4: yeah.
1: Um, yeah. and the king provides for you and protects you and takes you under his wings. And of course, your response to that is of service to the king. With your gifts and talents and and I mean the benefit is not just for him personally but for the kingdom itself and of course they had seen the 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 the, the, the um kind of um demagoguery that was going on in Egypt where 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 the pharaoh had been the, the reigning person and it was a top-down structure so <laughs> the this is this has always been our challenge you have leadership, you have the the need for leadership. Now you have a personality who wants to assume that position. Does that person's characteristics uh, confer with what a leader should be, how people understand leadership, and how often we find that You know, even the Pope or the Archbishop or anybody that, you know, has a a leadership position, our flawed character as humanity, um, even though somebody has to be in the role of leadership, we cannot really measure to the task itself. Those who try their best, in spite of their flaws, when they understand their flaws with humility, are able to. Uh, at least give some kind of leadership that people can trust. But then there's those who assume that leadership is about power for them over others. And that's not the kind of understanding that we should. And David, I think, whilst there was in some cases an abuse of power, and he was confronted by the God, by, by, by God. But remember, David cannot just be seen in his role as king. Because remember, the relationship with, with God were, were, are, are depicted in, in the Psalms that he wrote. Uh, even as a young boy, there was this passion for God. There was this trust that God is with him. Um, he who, as a shepherd boy, had to ensure... That he kept his father's um, sheep um, uh, healthy and protected and alive. So the essence of leadership was growing there already. So the and the character that David was displaying already there in terms of his spirituality and so on um, were the marks of a pro- a possible leader. Um, now we don't we don't understand God's mind all the time. We don't understand God's mind generally because God's mind is. Mystery to us. So we discern what we think may be God's mind in terms of choosing a leader. But in this case, David was chosen to be the king and the prophet played a role in ensuring that that happens. But does that strip the role of a king because somebody is flawed? Jesus's kingship is in a total different, um, different vein. The, the kind of kingship that is assimilated to David's kingship is really because that was the understanding of what God would understand to be king, how a king should be. And you would see in the royal psalms mm. um, there's, that comes up these things like the king rules with justice. He protects Israel. He's one who is who is filled with God's spirit. Um, He rules in obedience to God. Those are the traits of true kingship. And at his deathbed, David recalls this as to what his call actually was. And, And also as a last word, is a, is a is a is a new word for those who are contemplating or may be called to this role that this is what they must understand about it. You know, um, in spite of our flaws, if we are really serious about life and about what we were called to do, then we will give the picture of how it should be knowing that we ourselves could not climb to the top of the ladder, but try to get there with as much humility as we could. So the model of priesthood is given here, even though the person called uh, presents flaws. Um, uh, So I I think we go back to that whole thing called does the role make the person, or does the
3: person make the role? I'm definitely in the <laughs> camp of
0: of the person makes the role because you occupy that space, and I mean the only thing that you have is what you do while you are there. That's why I enjoy the fact that. Um, okay, let me preface this. <laughs> One of the many reasons why I believe that we should separate church and state is that our leaders our president
2: although not directly is
0: selected by the people and should serve the people before even thinking about serving any other deity or like any other agenda um would would you not agree with that
1: Look, that's the ideal, isn't it? Yeah, we're assuming that those who present themselves for leadership and those who perhaps are asked to consider leadership fits that role, but there are no guarantees when it comes to people. Yeah, Um, it's like this. It's like this whole thing. Let me be pedantic here. So when Monique
3: decided. You are the one that fits the role of
1: an adequate life partner, husband. The ideal she had in her mind, you came close to that. Now, that doesn't mean she could possibly say that you're the ideal husband. Hmm. Because as she learned to live with you, there were things that suggested you're not the ideal. Talking to you, I'm pointing three fingers at, four fingers <laughs> at myself. <laughs> but where this is coming to, it saying that there
3: is an ideal. Remember,
1: we have Adam, and we have a second Adam, and the second Adam is Jesus. We had, he's the true humanity as the scriptures understood it. Um, so, too, Jesus is the ideal king. Therefore, he, he is the king of kings. Now, we need to then ask, and that's the question, Jesus, are you the king? How would Jesus see himself? Would he not entitle himself to, I am the king? Or has he lived it? Is it protruding from everything that he is? So, So, do you understand why I'm saying that? we mm-hmm. may become close to the ideal but as we try and live it we fall short of what it is in our understanding of Jesus that didn't happen he was the ideal king now we need to ask ourselves why then why why is he the ideal king why why would god crown him king of kings
0: but you see um, that doesn't resolve my conflict
2: it's like you can't
0: have him be this pure servant king in the idea that I was proposing of, like, where President Cyril Ramaphosa is accountable to the people before he's accountable to whatever God he believes in, you know? So is Jesus um, not
1: accountable to the people? Excuse me? Is Jesus not
0: accountable to the people? <laughs> but there's still this... I, I, I my words fail me, so I'm going to say okay. Let, let me just say let me say that Jesus says,
1: I come to give you life
3: mm.
1: in all abundance. Now that you hear me say that, would you just accept me for what I've said, or are you going to see it in how I am what I say I am? Now remember when um when 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 Moses had to represent god to pharaoh he needed a name so that pharaoh could understand moses was speaking on behalf of god mm. and when you inquired what what name would you go by so you say i am who i am mm. is what you wanted to say in other words i am able to be all that my the title suggests I am, and in this case, I'm going to be your liberator and the one that you will be called to worship as your as your god. so so I when Jesus presents
3: himself to us
1: is he, and this is the challenge. we, we Easy, the ideal savior for me, put it against Buddha and all the other leaders that are suggested to have led their people and taught their people in a messianic way. Um, and, and for me, hmm. Jesus becomes the ideal savior. And as I continue to read okay. this I see, like, like I see him, he, he was the one who said, um, uh, verse two of Samuel, the spirit of the Lord speaks through me. He was the one who captured in, re, in essence what the prophet had said of the servant of God. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor. So Jesus is he, assimilated with, with one who doesn't operate by himself who doesn't conquer physically so that people are su- so subservient he temples upon them. Now, I, I've read in, in Eugene Peterson's book, he says, Jesus spoke like a king but lived like a slave. And your words earlier on, said, a servant king. How do you put the words servant and king together? in the modern sense of the word or in in the in terms of leadership, where leadership is always so dogmatic. So, so the so the municipal, uh, what's the name, uh, Philip Ramapozo. And and you also know. But politicians have a five year span. Yeah, and- where they don't have to be accountable because the elections will 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 hold them accountable. But when it comes to the next election, they're not held accountable because now they've made promises again that they will never fulfill. Now, this is our question. We can't take politicians at their word. My children can't take
3: me always at my word. Does that make me any less their dad? No. Now, can I take Jesus at his word? And my testimony, my witness is, yes, I can. So then, like,
0: there's this concept, right, of of Jesus' <laughs> conquering, of his crowning moment. You alluded to it earlier, where you were like, it was the first coronation on the cross. And that was when he conquered death. And that's effectively, you were quite accurate in referring to that as his coronation. So then in Revelations 1, verse forty, well, verse 4 to 8. John is like, he loves us, and by his sacrificial death, he has freed us from our sins and made us a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To Jesus Christ be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So, the freeing of the sins. Okay. So, if if you just look at that like literally, in his crowning moment, he conquered death and freed us of our sins, but yet we are still sinners. And
2: must still jump through a bunch of hoops to enter heaven. So what did he actually do?
1: Now, I'm going to present to you this in the words of Paul, Second Corinthians chapter 5,
2: mm-hmm.
4: I
1: think it's verse 21. Paul said it like this. He became sin for us. So that we can become the righteousness of God.
3: Then I'm going to take you to John's Gospel where
1: and to and to Paul's writing um, in chapter two of Philippians, John chapter one. Here we're talking about for me Jesus embracing our humanity. He took on the form of a of a servant, of a human, of a servant. He embraced our humanity. Mm-hmm. That stage, as we said earlier in, in our conversation before the recording, Paul understood that Jesus died at a time when 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 humanity was hostile towards God. Um, and 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 for many reasons, that triggers off a, a remarkable message to me that, in spite of the hostility, He still goes to reconcile us. He still uh, uh, places himself at a loss to himself for our gain. So as a human, he embodies our human condition in the incarnation. He walks the dusty roads and embraces the most vulnerable in their situations. The injustices that they have to live with. And all of this as he journeys to the cross, so this becomes part of who he is. At the same time, he can, he's alone able to bear this because he is, in our understanding, both God and man. And so he's able to take this to the cross because he embodies who God is, he embodies who we are. In him, uh, the, that uh, 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 shows the power of God's love in order to forgive us, and um, and yes, mystery. We're talking about mystery. How John captures this because he's writing to he's writing from an island, Pat- Patmos. He's a prisoner on this island. He was a pastor of the church, and he's hearing how his congregants. Are being challenged because of their faith, and
3: God's Spirit lifts him up
1: and in, enables him to have this sense of the revelation of who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do in this earth, and so um, and so he, he he gives this message of hope two people who were facing their own deaths because of their faith and tries to help them theologically, pastorally, uh, to to understand. And I think this this is very important. When we look at Jesus, we begin to understand, although we can't put it all into words, is what is the theology of being human?
3: And because our humanity is as
1: frail as it is, what what is the theology of a human expressing their life through a living faith relationship with God, one who embraced our humanity and its condition. And so and so this need deep within us, that we can't save ourselves, we can't cause ourselves to be eternally happy. Um, uh, last week we spoke about Hannah, who was who was put was put down by her the other wife, weeping before the Lord to to help her. And when she is blessed, she says, "Lord, you have filled my heart with joy." So, this God who whom we need to save us is the God who actually is our Creator, and in Jesus Christ, we 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 see that happening uh, through the eyes of faith, through the understanding of faith, when we look at who He is. So here at the end of the Bible. We're still speaking about the revelation of Jesus. That was the revelation that God God gave John to write about. Who is Jesus, the one who walked the face of this earth on our behalf? Um, And how did he manage death and suffering? And what did his death and resurrection mean to us? And where will we find hope? In the face of struggle. And so the pastor writes from the pulpit of a of an imp- of, a, of, of, of a prison, um, having received an epiphany,
3: a revelation that would inspire the
1: people not to give up even in the face of death. Who do they have to have at the central of their lives? The very gravity of their lives should be. Jesus Christ.
2: Okay, so then there comes the question of
0: who Jesus was a servant
2: to. Because I will put it to you that he wasn't serving humanity. He was always
3: serving God.
1: You know, you you make a very good theologian. (laughs) Why do you make a good theologian? Let me repeat your words. He wasn't serving humanity. He was serving God. And that's precisely the point of serving. You cannot serve humanity if you're not
3: serving God. because
0: others have other ideas about that
1: (laughs) i understand that that's why i'm deliberately saying that to you i'm deliberately saying that to you from our perspective as a christian when we serve humanity the one who does to the to this to the least of my sisters and brothers they do it to me so the perspective is we are able to manage and to serve one another Precisely because we are called to serve God
3: in one another.
1: That's why you make make a good theologian. (laughs) You see, uh, and so often people in the helping professions will will help and serve you as far as they're able to in terms of what they can see and what is tangible. But when your soul is broken, how do you manage life when you deep down broken? How who come? What what message comes alongside you? Because in serving people, there's both word and action. Um, let me give you, for instance, can I can I tell you a little story? Yeah. We we and I may have mentioned this already. So, congregation, please excuse me for repeating this, but it's worth saying this. In terms of Lindsay's words, you, you um, he didn't serve humanity, he served God. There was a there's a young boy in 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 West uh, <clears throat> Bank, 15 years old, who came for food to the table that is served there from our congregation who makes food for, for people in that situation. And um, one of the ladies was sensitive enough to look at him to see how in dire straits he looked, just his presentation of himself. And she went to find out about his life, discovered he had no real family, that he was really really staying in a a orchid at the back of the house where there's already a huge family. And she spoke to that family, and there was, you know, we can't really care for this young man. Anyway, the story eventually gets up to her that. He's in the system of the social work. When his name was mentioned, the social worker said, and this was for me, the sadness. Years a thick
3: file about this young man. Yet.
1: Nothing's changed in his life. This lady from our church is so concerned about it. Besides the food that she's offered, she got the police involved to try and fight to try and ensure he doesn't get involved with gangsterism. So they checking on him regularly. She's ensured that he has a blanket for himself. This lady for me is saying, Here I am, I'm not in the system of government whose only claim to fame is to say we've got a thick file about this boy. But nothing has changed in his life. Yes, she's trying with her limited resources to make the changes, to care enough to know where he is. Now for me, because I'm not- I'm not saying the sister, the people who are working in the system don't serve God. They do their work, that's why they have files. But for me, she demonstrates what Jesus what what is for me the heart of Jesus. To, to get alongside him with no files, just knowing, caring, asking, providing what is possible. To this level where she said, I wish I could purchase a house that I can put up children like this. I said, Yeah, it's gonna, it's a wonderful idea, but you know the dynamics that must go into all of that. But this those few steps of caring for me demonstrate the way that Jesus served humanity because he served god
0: some some. another parallel
2: with the abolishment of slavery the british government compensated the slaveholders for the freedom of the slaves
0: that didn't put any riches, any wealth into the hands of the slaves who have been treated badly and poorly, being disenfranchised for generations, were not able to own land, were not able to acquire wealth. So that ransom was paid to the perpetrator.
3: When Jesus died on the cross
2: and paid the ransom, <laughs> how did humanity benefit? From that directly, is it not fair to say that nothing was truly nothing of worldly value? Very careful with my words. <laughs> was truly added to the human experience.
1: Well, um, the very first thing that came as they were standing at the cross and listening to him dying, was the, the eternal value of forgiveness, particularly to those who are harming and hurting you. We spoke earlier about um, the words that was written by Eugene Peterson, to be human is to be at war. When he's um, When he was hanging on the cross, People said, why doesn't he call legions of angels if he is this great person that he says he is and that he is the son of God? What did he say? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. As the blood spilled to the soil of this earth, so those words entered into the minds and the hearts of our ancestors who stood around the cross. The merit of forgiveness in the
3: face of conflict and death. So
1: we may not have grand materialistic things, but here he was speaking to change the heart, to do exactly what the father's message of love and good news for the world is embraced your humanity in order to forgive you? What's the benefits of forgiveness and reconciliation? That's the first thing I hear. The second thing I hear is him saying to John and to Mary, his mother, um, that they should embrace one another and take care of one another. From the cross, he creates community, starting with family. We draw hope from this dying man who understood the brokenness of family life um, and says, I, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you to care for one another because you're living in a world where care and compassion is, is not high on the agenda. But from the cross, that's what he asked those two people to do, to start the movement of creating caring community. And that should filter through every aspect of our society. We do know that the family is the nucleus of the home, of the, of the, of society. And so the family life should be able to make changes in the community as a result of what he did for us on the cross. On these instructions, the disciples waited in Jerusalem for the spirit of the Lord to come. And Peter made a public speech to all who would hear, and he spoke of Jesus. And what happened? Those who heard, the oppressed who heard, began to form community when they responded to the good news by faith. So 2000 and odd years down the line, we have a church, although in a messed up situation, but we still have a church. We still have a church that proclaims his name, that seeks to learn from his, from the, the words written about him and the recapture of the words that he spoke. Um, his life as he lived on earth, where
3: he touched people, where he lifted people
1: up, where he gave hope to people, where he told the church in Luke's gospel, chapter four. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news. So, in other words, if you're true as a ch- church, then this is what your calling is: to be spirit-filled, um, so that you can bring good news. And the poor are not necessarily those who have nothing materially, those who are who, who's 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 got poverty in their spirits. Um um, for want of a better word, how do you transform
3: a world if you do not change hearts,
1: minds, and attitudes, um, in order to change life for the, the fulfillment, for the, for the, for the benefit of all, but yeah, um, some time ago. Uh, uh, Richard Dawkins wrote a book called *The Selfish Gene*. Um, my my spiritual director says to said to me um, whenever I shared of the challenges that I was facing with and maybe my responses, he would say, "Oh, the old Adam still hasn't died within us." <laughs> <laughs> the legacy that our Lord leaves when he tells Mary, (coughs) Martha, sorry, in the face of the death of her brother, do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? And when she says yes, there was a total relief that even though she had a brother back after miracle, that message of her speaking to, we look to today to when we Suffer the losses of our loved ones, loved ones suffer the losses of our lives, and they stand at that tomb or that at that um um coffin uh, with our unresponsive bodies, and what is the message that they are helped to deal with that? When tears flow and despair creeps in, the first words they hear at a service. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they die, yet shall they live. Whoever lives in me shall never die. He gave us the message of goodness. That's what the collect of this past week says. Your son Jesus brought us the good news and the power
3: to transform
1: lives. Yeah.
3: He left
1: an eternal legacy
0: for changing the world. So then here's this exchange in John 18, um, verses 33 to 37, where Pilate summons him and asks him, are you the king of the Jews? To which Jesus replies, do you ask this on your own or did others tell you about me? And Pilate's like, yo, dude, I'm not a Jew. (laughs) Your own people and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus is like, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. That's a very interesting line. I've I've never actually reflected on that. Um, My followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. I'd like to see a different translation of that, actually. I don't believe I've read it in that way before. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And then Pilate asks him, so are you a king? So, you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. So there's a lot of things that play there. Chief among them
2: is that Pilate is
0: testifying that he is indeed not a Jew. So, whatever happens to Jesus from that point on. The death on the cross
2: that doesn't existence at
0: all. It has no effect on his continued life. It's just he had an interaction with this great philosopher. And the
2: second thing is that Jesus doesn't
0: answer him directly. He's like for this i was born and i interpret it as i was born for this discussion which is part of the journey to the cross which is then like the ultimate victory
2: so what does that say about
0: jesus's conviction in his own kingship did he did he need to
1: express his conviction By giving an answer to the question, or is that question saying, Pilate, here I stand before you. You have heard many things about me. You're listening to me speaking. How do I come across to you that would answer this question? Because that's the ultimate question we've been exploring through these things. Who is Jesus?
3: Who is Jesus to the world? Why is he an historical figure that people see as the
1: as the savior of the world? In other words, he presented who he was to us, who he is to us. Now if you remember, right at the, the top, I said uh, in my introduction that um he's god's beloved son with whom god was well pleased and throughout god calls us to listen to him now in response to that jesus says "Pilate, i'm here to tell the truth so what truth is exuding from me now in truth telling You then have to ask, answer the, (coughs) excuse me, you have to answer the question, (coughs) excuse me, Lindsay, you -hmm. have to answer the question, as I listen to Lindsay, what am I perceiving about what Lindsay is saying that reflects what Lindsay believes and who Lindsay is? So, did Jesus need to say, "I"? Uh, you, you know, um, I read. I don't know if you read the the uh, the book, "The Number."
2: No, the gangster book.
3: Gangster book, yeah.
1: And one. No, of, I, haven't, I
0: haven't read it. Myself. One
1: of the things that were found in that, that you read in that book is this: there was a time when people in the gang world thought that uh, they, because because in their world it's about. The question is B S J, Hmm.
3: which is which is
1: you know Dan Brown writes in his book Origins, that's the question we are faced with as humanity, Hmm. as individuals. So it's a question we have about God. It's a question we have about Jesus. And Jesus says, "I'm about truth. And if I am the one who testifies to the truth. Then those who really seek the truth will embrace who I am. So in other words, the kingdom that I serve is about truth. In other words, Pilate, are you about truth? Now, do we, can we say
0: there is truth and truths? Because years further. Yeah. I'll say there's truth and there's
2: justice.
3: Right. Because Pilate, I
2: mean, in this case, is about justice.
3: No, Pilate was not about justice. Pilate was trapped, as politicians normally can become trapped.
1: He was in his comfort zone. You know, he had an opportunity many people didn't have. He was faced with the one whom God calls my beloved son,
3: with whom I'm well pleased.
0: But that was <laughs> nothing to him. <laughs> like, that, he says this explicitly. He's like, dude, I'm not part of this. Oh, no, country. yes. He was worried. <laughs> if
1: Jesus said, I am a king, the question Pilate was asking was political.
3: He wanted a political answer.
1: Jesus, so now you un, you can understand. Pilate, I'm about truth. I'm not about the kind of politics you are playing with. Because if Jesus said, I'm the king, that comes in direct opposition to Pilate. His throne is
3: rattled now. But you have the king.
1: Where is the kingdom? Hmm. If you think you've conquered the king. Who now stands before you as a a criminal. Because the jury has
3: spoken. Crucify him.
1: And so. Ooh, he wanted to know so that he can understand, because he was faced with a political question yeah, mm-hmm. in his mind. But in the mind of
3: Jesus, Pilate, what are you actually faced with? Is Pilate, are you really living the truth? And
1: what is that truth?
0: So. You I've stated this before. I think we do it every we do the dance every Easter. He's like I'm very sympathetic to Pilate because this dude just he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time according to the Bible. Um now, according if, you're to a public, if you're a public figure, why do you want to claim privacy? But this is the thing. Um this story, it's near impossible. For Jesus to have been in the situation with representation, who could then record what happened? This
2: was
1: this was um, so you you're testing
0: the historicity of
1: Pilate <laughs> and Jesus encounter.
0: I'm testing the the actual conversation that is recorded here. Um and the the portrayal of Pilate that has been inferred from the story where like even in the story Pilate is like dude i have no issues with you like these people want to murder you they want me to like condemn you and crucify you i'm not wanting to do that i'm just wanting to have a conversation what are you they say you are king what's up with us you know until he admits that he is a king and that will put him in conflict with pilot which he never does. And Pilate yep. washes his hands and like, yo, you guys deal with this dude. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, he
1: wanted his hands off. Yeah, because you see, he was already dealing with insurrectionists.
4: Yeah,
1: you see, and and um, was Jesus a stirrer towards inter, inter, inter? Um, you know, um, towards inter insurrection? Was Jesus now going to want to also be the one who takes over? Um, but remember, many stories are not written before they are orally shared. Mm-hmm. A, story, a story doesn't begin in, in written form before it begins in the mind and in, a, in, in the capturing of an event through an oral retelling. Yes. So quite obviously, there will be biases because every witness as a salon to what they hear and see. So there's no there's no saying that this, this kind of interaction did not come out um, in terms of the oral message itself. Possibly one could even dare to say from pilots, uh, people that were around him. But be that as it may, this is a very crucial interaction. And... Um, pilot was in the hot seat
0: yeah yeah i i still i still feel for the guy uh, but <laughs> my 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 question is 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 more than about like the 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 jesus the the psyche of this jesus figure in this moment where it's like
2: this has to happen like this has to the the
0: end is predetermined. Like I am in service of a higher power, not accountable to the people. And and the, the the central conflict that I have, where where you you pose the question, is Jesus the King? And to me,
3: a Messiah, maybe the Son of God, I don't believe that.
2: A savior. In his own mind. A servant king of the people. No. Definitely not. Because he's serving so, a higher
1: narrative. So so all the stories in the gospel that capture how Jesus assisted people. Did he really help them him though? Yes, he did. <laughs> the evidence is there. And I certainly can say from my perspective how I believe he has been of great help in my life as my Lord and my savior. Yeah. And, and I mean, not that I can speak of miraculous things that happened, although they may be, but the point of the matter is the Christ of faith, who is the Christ of history and his incarnation leading to his death and resurrection. Has impact on the on my understanding of the of the human journey on this earth. Without those, without Jesus, nothing makes sense for me. Nothing makes sense, particularly because I'm not a materialistic person. Although there are there's uses for materialism, my my important thing is building community. Recognizing the humanity in others, recognizing my own brokenness and others' brokenness. Therefore, I can't stand as judge over others.
4: Mm -hmm. Where do I
1: find help to be able to come alongside my sister and brother if it was not for my heart, by God's grace, being filled with his love, with the gospel of his love? And and to deal with this reality that it would seem keeps coming up. To be human is to be at war. Is that what Jesus came to address? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. Give my peace. If I didn't have that message that he comes to bring, what message would I have? I have no doubt in my mind that the message of Jesus continues to transform the way I think, continues to to therefore transform the way I speak, the way I listen to situations uh, where people would resort to a sense of hopelessness and despair by the interaction with with who he is in a life of prayer and worship, uh, in in, in the study of his scripture. I find that I'm able to receive hope from that and to share that with my brothers and sisters in less fortunate circumstances. The example of him getting alongside people on the dusty roads and kneeling um, shows how he was serving humanity and enabled them to be empowered. We don't hear of the stories, every story, of how people touch, how people's lives were touched, you know, in in the gospel story. But we've heard through over 2000 years of testimony how Jesus touched the lives of people.
3: But. But sometimes.
1: We forget that Jesus is the Jesus of the cross. As Christians. There is within Christianity. A sense of this power game. and so god is is the policeman of the universe that must knock people down that are my enemies. that that's um, that's uh, how some people underst- want to understand God. Mm. Um, how did he conquer this world by love? He conquered world by love? every war that has been fought throughout the history as the conquering hasn't lasted it's destroyed people's lives
3: that selfish gene in us
1: has caused more harm than good but when our lord transforms our lives through his presence within us as we invite him into our lives as our savior and lord we are able to offer hope, Pilate, for this, I was born, and for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. You talking truth to power, what was the illusion Pilate
3: lived? was the illusion of power Um. The illusion that he wasn't the Caesar. He wasn't fully in charge. He lived an illusion
1: of power. Humanity would love to do that all the time. We do it on small stages and on big stages. And when you, when I, the more and more I reflect on how the world operates and you hear we
3: will live the lie rather than seeking the truth and be transformed by it. Hmm. hmm. I think I will finish on
2: a singular thesis where it's like my idea
0: of an ideal leader leads his people from the people's perspective, alleviates or removes obstacles in their way
2: through the resources that they have access to, he or she. Um, And Jesus, for me,
3: never deviates from the the
0: path that he has been put on, that he believes that he has been put on by his father. I think in this story, in this particular gospel, in these particular words, there's a moment, in the way it's interpreted, there's a moment where the truth actually comes out, where it's like, Jesus only changed the world for Christians and if you believe in Christianity.
2: For everybody else, it was inconsequential. There were many opportunities, this being one of them, where he could have taken up, he could have taken the opportunity to really make meaningful change, To cause a revolution in that moment. And I believe, and this is my thesis, I believe it is greatly unhelpful to humanity to push an idea of a leader being a servant to a narrative
0: that humanity is not controlling If there is a higher power that has pushed something on us, it is the leader's
2: responsibility to bring that power back to the people, to bring that agency back to the people. This is my belief. And, yeah, on
0: this feast of Jesus Christ the King of Christ the King, I am stating that I don't believe that Jesus is a great model for a king. I think he was too aloof. He was too trapped in his own mission to really act on behalf of the people. Thank you very much. I will end on that. You can respond. <laughs> of course I'm going to respond. <laughs> of course I going to respond.
1: What would we consider to be the greatest revolution
3: that anybody could bring? If you claim that a leader in bringing a resolution would change things for people, there is no
1: greater revolution than the revolution of love and truth.
4: Hmm.
1: And when you are able to hold that in your being and be willing to die for it, there is no better way to say to your followers, Now you build a society
3: in my name and with my power. At that stage, nobody was Christian. He didn't die for the Christian world or purported world. What he was saying, what he was doing, he did for all. Jesus,
1: more than anybody in history, Caused the revolution that nobody would ever be able to
3: compare with. How did he do this? He came down, he became the servant. He, he walked the dusty roads people walk, he encountered people where they were. He served them by listening to their stories and by serving just the one, he served all. His servant was in obedience to the one who sent him. He
1: caused a revolution, a transformation in the ordinary people's lives
3: those who had to deal with with unclouded living of dependency on materialism and power who had to feel that the raw essence of living is about survival how in the state state of
1: survival do you find hope and as i'm talking to you now in this response I'm thinking of one of my favorite gospel stories. The woman at the well.
3: Where, which was the other side of the railway line. The dividing line of separation and apartheid. And he dares to meet her at the well
1: to engage her. And she is the epitome of witnesses whose lives was changed just by interaction with him. Juxtapose that
3: to Pilate. Close encounter with our Lord, whose message was not different to that which engaged the woman at the well. So why was Pilate's life not changed? What was Pilate's question?
1: Was it to find out who Jesus was, or was it to check out Jesus' political stature or status?
3: The greatest revolution you can bring as a leader to the people is the revolution of love and truth. In a world Pilate's world, where people are seeking power, prestige. And where people are so in their comfort zones, they do not want to touch the mundane. So yes, your question is exploring who Jesus is. When you say he's not, You are saying something about what he is, and that's where I am, what he is for me. That revolution that he brings is why I responded
1: to the call to ministry. And again, I want to um, reiterate the words of of the colleague this week. Your son brought to us message of the good
3: news, the power to transform lives. That is how a revolution is started. And I am so glad and humble to be part of that revolution.
2: But always that theology
0: and Christianity was then propagated by the very power that he was fighting against at the time. And on that note, I will leave you.
1: (laughs) You make a very good theological point. (laughs) So like the Sadducees, why did the words not change them that they studied about God? That says something about those in power who Uh, utilize things for their own gain.
0: They found that it was very helpful in... Sending a particular message that will keep them in power and keep the money flowing into their coffers. See, um,
1: that doesn't make what Jesus what Jesus is worse.
0: Ooh, <laughs> the legacy is stained, surely.
1: No. no, what it does do is take us back to the cross.
0: Indeed. But we can sit here and talk about this all day. Um, Thank you very much for this conversation. It has been absolutely enlightening, as it always is. Uh, My apologies to anyone's sensibilities that I've offended through this. Uh, These are all my beliefs, um, and they are not held by anyone in my family or anyone who's connected to me. This is me speaking of my own agency. Um, If you could please extract a few other brief reflections in the prayers of the church. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Lindsay. So in the prayers of the church, we this week are praying almost with acclamation, the Lord is King. Let the people rejoice. And because Jesus is King, whose kingship encompasses the whole world, we ask you, Father, to renew your church to trust in your providence and victory and to strengthen the faint-hearted in the face of persecution and turmoil. Because Jesus is King, calling the people to rejoice as he stood before Pilate with dignity and integrity. We ask you now that you may give us wisdom and discernment to all who govern, that truth may be heard and honored. And that by your grace, peace may prevail. The people rejoice
3: that the Lord is King. As we reflect on
1: Jesus' arrest, many deserted him and a few watched from the shadows. Be with those, Lord, who face trial alone, with appropriate adults who accompany accused juveniles. And we are saddened, Lord, that juveniles or anybody should be imprisoned. So by your redeeming power, give us opportunity to mend our ways. The people rejoice that Jesus is King. Who chose to subject himself to human frailty. So Lord, by your presence, bless us in our weakness and hold us in your love. We rejoice that the Lord Jesus is King, for he embraced death and made it the gateway to glory. Lord, do not forsake us in the hour of our death. And here we want to say thank you for the life of Pamela Abrams and uh, rest eternal grant unto her, O Lord. Please bring us all to rejoice in your eternal kingdom. Earlier on, we we spoke about COVID and its effects and possible changes uh, that are positive for us. We continue to pray, Lord of the ages, COVID still lingers on. We are protocol focused and still grieving the losses of of our beloved one. Some still resist the vaccine and variants continue to appear through mutation. Thank you for joining with us with your healing presence and companionship, throwing us into compassionate community. Save us from our arrogance so that we will soon be free from the oppression of this virus. We extend our prayers that you, Lord, may bless all continents, God, our children. Guide our leaders and give us your peace for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. If you are celebrating your weddings and anniversaries and birthdays, may God continue to pour his love into your hearts by his availing presence through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, in conclusion, this the feast of Christ the King. Go out as faithful witnesses, the one who reigns forever. Look to Jesus as your shepherd and your ruler. Listen for his voice. Clothe yourselves in righteousness and make every place place to worship. And the blessing of God Almighty, our creator, our redeemer and our life-giving comforter, be with you always. Amen. Go in peace with courage to love and serve the Lord. Go in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you very much for tuning in. And thank you, Lindsay, very much for always an enlightening conversation around the scripture and particularly the person of God in Jesus Christ and the community of the church.